Church, once again, good morning. Welcome. How are we doing? You guys good? You guys good? Awesome. If you've not met, my name is John, and I'm one of the pastors here. I want to tell you how much I respect the fact that you're here today. It is a holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend, and so, like, honestly, you, get, like, you guys are about it. Like, you guys are about it. And so, you guys get extra credit toward heaven. Great job. Great job. Great job. In fact, before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to pray for every single one of you by name. I'm going to make sure the Lord knew that you were here this morning. And so, hey, uh, before we dive into what we're going to talk about today, which honestly I'm super excited about, even in the context of, of the personal journey that my family and I are on right now, I don't want to pause right now. I want to ask, uh, how many of you enjoy, let's celebrate Songfest. Uh, how many of you guys enjoy, Yes. Absolutely incredible. Here's what you need to know is uh, worship, production, experience, literally they work year-round, Pastor Justin, putting all the, the, the content together on the teaching side. It's absolutely incredible. What's amazing, though, not only our team's working, is that you guys and ladies extended the trust to us, and then you went out and you invited. You invited your friends. You invited family and, and coworkers and neighbors, and over the course of four weeks of Songfest, we saw 384 people make decisions for Jesus Christ. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. And so I want to tell you, uh, like, like, praise God and thank you for your faithfulness to be inviters and investors. And thank you for trusting us, and, which is a perfect segue for where we're going today. Today I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about trust issues. I want to talk to you about trust issues. Now, I would just ask, like in a room this size, I mean, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people, how many of you would say, Pastor John, you know what, whether it's a small thing or even a big thing, I sometimes, I do sometimes struggle with, with trust issues. Anybody hands up, hands up, hands up? Oh, oh, okay, okay, thank you. Thank you for your trans, yeah, a lot of hands went up, a lot of hands. Now, what's interesting, a lot of hands went up. I'm sure there's also a few hands that didn't go up because you have trust issues. <laughs> and you're like, listen, uh, I know I have trust issues. The Lord knows I have trust issues. My family all know, but I'm not entirely sure where Baldy is going with this. And so, so thank you for demonstrating my point there. And I listen. I am a reformed, redeemed, recovering trust issues struggler, and you can be too. I, I I know the exact moment that trust issues entered my life. The exact moment. I was eight years old. It was Thanksgiving Day. The exact moment. I was eight years old. It was Thanksgiving Day. We were having a big, obviously, meal. And, and now the home that I grew up in, we didn't have a whole lot of big meals. It was me and my mom and my older sister. And my mom was just doing everything that we could to survive. And so there was, there was a lot of frozen pizzas, and there was a lot of peanut butter sandwiches, and there was a lot of cereal, which all of those still sound great to me even now. But we sit down. We're, I'm eight years old. It's Thanksgiving. We sit down, and my aunt brings over right in front of me a, a plate of piping hot cornbread. I'd never had cornbread. I turned to my mom, innocent, this smells great. People were excited about the cornbread. I don't know about, I said, mom, tell me, what is cornbread? And this is the moment where everything changed. My mom said, well, son, it kind of tastes like yellow cake. And that was the moment that I lost faith in humanity right there. <laughs> because when I bit into the cornbread, it did not, in any capacity, kind of taste like Yellow cake. It did. And, I, and that's when I became cynical. I was ruined at that point. And so a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all, a lot of you actually, you, your trust issues started with a food item too. I know this to be true. It was true in the first service. You're walking through the kitchen. You look over and there's a plate of cookies. What you think is chocolate chip cookies. You walk over there you're like, I didn't even want a chocolate chip cookie, but I'm not going to pass up this moment. So you walk over there, you pick up, again, keyword, what you think 
is a chocolate chip cookie, and you bite into it only to realize that it was not chocolate chips. It was, in fact, raisins. Nobody wants raisin cookies. Like, that is, dece- like, is Satan-level deception, right? Like, like, that is bait and switch at its very core. He's like, let me draw you in. Let me draw you in. You think this is going to taste great. And then you bite into it, and you realize that's not, not exactly what I was signing up for, but he's got you hooked at that point. Now, what you going to do? And that's the picture of sin right there. So great, awesome, awesome, awesome. Trust issues. One more thing about trust issues. And, and you know, obviously, uh, college football season just kicked off. College football season. Some people are excited. Some people are not. Let me just say this. You guys, some of you may be aware. Some of you may be not. Uh, one of the things that I have the privilege to, to serve through my capacity here is I'm the chaplain for the athletics department at UCF. Go nice charge on. That's your hometown team. And let me just say this. Let me just say this. Some of you, I, there was a, a, a really odd response just now at college football. Listen, it's not too late. No matter what your team is doing, when, when you were nine years old, they were really good. But you can get off that bandwagon right now, and you can... Come on, go nice, charge on. And so anyway, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so trust issues is another thing. You're sitting down, like there's a big game tonight. There's a big game on Monday. Like there's, there was a big game. So 7 o'clock kickoff, 3 o'clock kickoff, whatever. You've done all the work. Trust issues. You're ready to go. Like, like the living room is set. You got some flaming hot Cheetos. You got some ice cold Mountain Dew. Okay, get your mind right. Get your mind right. And then you got some nice, low-cost cuisine, Italian cuisine from Little Caesars. Like, you're ready to go. And the people that are most important in your entire life are sitting there in the living room. You walk in, you plop down, and uh, kickoff's in 12 minutes, and where's the remote? The people that you love the most in your life, you don't even trust them. Hey, boy, you sitting on the remote? No, sir. Get up. That's what you tell them. Listen, baby, I love you. I know we've been married almost 30 years. Get up. And then everybody stands up, and then you look over, and the remote is on the shelf where you put it because you knew that somebody was going to sit on the remote. And so trust issues. Today I want to talk to you guys and ladies about trust issues. And I think even in the context of what, uh, what's unfolding in my life, in fact, I, I think the, the character of God is worthy to be praised even in this moment. I'm looking forward to unpacking that for you guys and ladies. But the word trust is important. If we're going to talk about trust issues, I want to define for you the word trust. And so team, will go ahead and put this up. Trust is defined as the assured reliance, okay? And I would encourage you to take some notes and write this down. Trust is defined as the assured reliance on the character, the ability, or the strength of someone or something. Now, just leave that right there. I'm a, I'm a bit of a wordsmith. I'm a, I'm a nerd. I love, not semantics, I love the specifics of words. And this is like classic Webster.com, someone or sing, something. This is classic, like dictionary.com. That's exactly what they would say. Trust is the assured reliance. And I love the, the power and the authority of assured reliance. Trust is the assured reliance on the character, ability, or strength of someone or something. Now, when Webster's posts a, a, diction, a, a definition or when dictionary.com posts a definition, They would say someone or something, but in our context, it's actually someone and, very unusual, someone and something. Trust is the assured reliance on the character, ability, or strength of the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, who is the only one who is able to to pay a debt that we could not pay on our own. The assured reliance on the character, the ability, or the strength of His Word. Assured reliance on the character, ability, or strength of Jesus Christ 
and his word. And today I want to talk to you about trust and trust issues. Today I want to talk to you about trust and trust issues. And in order to do that, we're going to jump in. We're going to look at Isaiah 26. We're going to look at Isaiah 26, and, uh, and I love, just give you a little bit of context here. Isaiah is, uh, I mean, like the very name means God is salvation, and the book of Isaiah, uh, the cool, I mean, it's like, it's pretty amazing. The theme is God himself. Like, Isaiah's like, hey, let's just really make this super simple. The theme is God himself, who does all things for his own glory, and then the second element of that theme, like the first is, and, and those believers who trust in God, that's where they will find their greatest lives. That's the whole point of the book of Isaiah. And so let me, let me share with you. We're going to jump in Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4. It says, you will keep in perfect peace, not just regular peace, not just mediocre peace, not just average peace. It says, you will keep in perfect peace. And what's really interesting about that particular phraseology right there, just leave it right there, Perfect peace, uh, it, was, it was a normal greeting culturally, just like you would walk up to somebody and say, hey, how you doing? You good? You straight? You good? How you doing? How you doing? Just like we would walk up to someone and ask them how they were doing. It was a cultural greeting that they would walk up to each other and they would say, uh, what is your peace? What is the condition of your peace? That's how they would greet each other. And so, so Isaiah is getting ahead of that whole conversation. He says, you will keep in perfect peace. You're going to be asked, what is the condition of your peace? And you can say, I am in perfect peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust, place assured reliance upon, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. Trust in the Lord always. The Lord God is the eternal rock. And you guys and ladies know, all, those, uh, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And the simple truth is, one of the reasons why we get into trust issues is because we fix our thoughts on things that are not God and not God's word. It says, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. All who trust in you, assured reliance. Uh, God's, God's character is perfect and trustworthy. God's word is inerrant, infallible. It is trustworthy. But what do we do? Honestly, what we do lots of times is we place our trust in things that are way below that. We place our trust in, in, place trust in career, place trust in marriage, place trust in finances, place trust in 401k, place trust in your children, your family, place trust in relationships. And don't get me wrong, all those things are super, super, super amazingly significant when they're dedicated to the Lord. But apart from them being dedicated to the Lord, you're going to be left wanting because they were not intended to fulfill you or satisfy you. Like, listen, 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 I, I, my, my career or my job, when it's dedicated to the Lord, is awesome because that's my platform, no matter what it is. My marriage, when it's dedicated to the Lord, is, is extra bolstered because, because it's dedicated to the Lord, and that's where we, we impact my family, my children, my, our finances. When they're surrendered and dedicated to the Lord, that's when we find like, like what God really has for us. But when we trust in those things alone, we're going to be left unsatisfied. Listen to this. Listen to this. This is uh, the issue with trust. It can only be established through a relationship. We talk about relationships, marriage, children, friends, the whole deal. It, it requires a relationship with Jesus Christ, and, and you guys know that's not a plot twist. It's not a bait and switch here at Action Church today. Uh, but I would say to you very clearly, in fact, I would encourage you to write this down. Trust, guys and ladies, trust, I would say, is the 
most significant trait of someone that calls themselves a child of God? Trust. Now, we've been... You know, we're student ministry, and uh, we've got, uh, you know, my wife and I got five kids, again, big believers in reproduction, like, let's just go change the world by creating one human at a time, and so, so, and, and so we, we, we always have students around in our middle school, high school, college students, always around our house, always around our house, and one of the things that, one of the things that we talk about, one of the things that we talk about is, is God's plan and purpose and, and relationships and the significance of relationships there, and what I want you guys and ladies to understand is Lots of them, lots of times, are the only person of faith in their entire family. Now, that could be true of a 17-year-old. That could be true of you as a 47-year-old. Now, here's what's interesting. No matter what your context is, the family home that you grew up in, you got a couple of siblings, you got a mom and dad, maybe you're the only, you're the only man of faith, maybe you're the only woman of faith, maybe you're the only student of faith, maybe you're the only grandparent of faith, what's really interesting is it's the same context, it's the same culture, it's the same resources, it's the same opportunities. The only difference is your faith. So to walk out that trust in the context of everything else being equal, you want to talk about a platform to be a difference maker. You want a platform for God's glory Listen to this. I want to share with you. This is the, this is the official verse of, uh, of graduation. Speaking of students, this is the official verse of graduation. It's Jeremiah 29, 11. If, you've, uh, if you know anybody's ever graduated from high school or from college, I promise you they got a card with, uh, with this verse on it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, we don't have extensive amount of time to give you the context here, but what you need to understand is that is not saying that everything is going to be great. What that is saying is that God is great and so that everything is going to be okay if I trust in him. Now, the challenge is, is that we hold against God when things don't line up the way that we wanted them to. And I understand that, but, but you're not in charge. If, like, if you want to hold against God, like, go create your own universe, and then you can make all the decisions. But God's like, I kind of did this. I kind of got this whole thing started. And, and his character and nature is trustworthy. The assured reliance on his character and his strength and his ability, the person of Jesus Christ that is able to forgive you of your past, your regret, your sin, your shame, and the inerrant nature of his word. Our trust issues come from when we hold against God, things not lining up the way that we wanted them to. It's the difference between external expectations and an internal standard. External expectations, you're going to be disappointed real quick. Internal standard is I'm going to trust God no matter what it looks like in this exact moment because I know, Scripture says, I know the plans that I have for you. And, man, it doesn't feel real good right now, but God is good and his grace is sufficient, and we're going to get to the place where he can be glorified. Let me share with you uh, today um, three trust issues, three trust issues to let go of. I would encourage you, to, encourage you to capture some of these. Here's what's really interesting is I share with you, like my family, like, like my family, man, we're battling. We're battling uphill right now, and yet uh, God's grace is sufficient. I share with you that my father, uh, my father passed away, and I'll share with you a little bit more about that here um, in just a little bit. Um, but uh, here's what, what's really fascinating is my, uh, my mother-in-law, Catherine's mom, two months ago, 
she passed away. And, and, and Connie, Connie Morris is a first ballot Hall of Famer in heaven. Like, like, she, like she met the Lord as a teenager, and then she was dedicated to raising her family, raising her children, uh, my wife and her two siblings, in the Lord and in the church. And, and Connie served the Wednesday night meals at a Southern Baptist church for 28 years. You want to talk about a Christian. Like, like, like when, when she passed away, they were like, hey, we got a big, we got an MVP coming through. She's in heaven right now making food like for, and I, I, I guarantee you she's not making any raisin cookies for anybody because they're, 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 that's not in the notes, but there's no deception in heaven. She wants to bless them, and nobody wants, nobody wants raisin cookies. So my, my mother-in-law, first ballot Hall of Famer, is a servant of the Lord, and four years ago she was diagnosed with ALS. Some of you would be familiar with what that is, and, and a woman who literally served with her every ounce of being, we, we saw over the course of four years, they lived down in Kissimmee, we would go and meet, see them once a week, every other week, and just in real time, we could see her body failing her to the point where this woman who vibrantly served was resigned to a wheelchair and literally the only thing that she could do was speak. Two months ago, she passed away. We have been praying for her healing. God, would you please? God, would you please? And he is more than able. Now, I could stand before you right now, and I could say, are our hearts heavy because Grandma Connie Sue is gone? Yes, but, but is God faithful, and did he heal her? Yes, he absolutely did heal her. I'm not in charge of, how, of what the outcome is. And Pastor Justin talks about this all the time. That the, the way that we get into issues with trust is, when, when we define the outcome as this is what I was looking for and God went in a different direction. What's really interesting, and she's healed and whole and she's, uh, she's worshiping our Savior in heaven right now. What's really interesting is people would say, I, I, just, I, I just don't know why a good God, like, 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 like why would God let bad things happen to good people? And it was certainly applying this situation. Why would God let bad things happen to good people? Like you're your, your mother-in-law, she served the Lord faithfully, and, and her husband had just retired, and he worked so hard, and, and they bought an RV, and they're literally going to travel the world, and then instantly she's diagnosed, and, and it's just down. Like, why would bad things happen to good people? What's really interesting is that's such a self-serving question because you know what people never ask? Why do good things happen to bad people? I've been the beneficiary of grace been the beneficiary of grace. Like, it's real easy to pin on God to dismiss being, being obedient to his leadership. But the simple truth is, no matter what the circumstance looks like in the moment, God is good and he is trustworthy and he's got, uh, he's got plans for hope and for a future. I want to give you these three thoughts right here, uh, three trust issues, three trust issues to, to let go of. The first one is the desire for control. The desire for control. And we guys, uh, like we said, we got five kids, and uh, our kids are, are 22 down to 13. And I've stood on this platform a few years ago. I talked about how funny it is to teach your kids how to walk. Like, teach, like you got your kids and living a little bitty. They got the diapers on. Like, they're twerking, like, doing whatever they do, right? So they're standing there, and she's looking at, like, she's standing there at the lazy boy, and there's, like, like there's, the, there's the ottoman. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for it and just kind of do this thing. And boom, face plant, boom, face plant. And as a, as a loving dad, I don't just say, you know what? You're obviously never going to get it. Just stop trying. 
No, as a loving father, you say, no, we can do this. Pick it up, let's try it again. Pick it up, let's try it again. And you've got a grace-filled God that loves you and wants to see you fly and not fail. But you know what's really crazy? Talking about, talking about to letting go of this sense of this desire for control. You know what's crazy, crazy, crazy more intense than teaching your kids how to, how to walk? Teaching your kids how to drive. Come, come on, come on. Listen, my, listen, we got five kids. Uh, four of them have driving privileges. You know, you know uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, people always say, hey, pray without ceasing. No, that's not impossible. No, no, I believe God literally had a parent teaching a child how to drive in mind when he said pray without ceasing. Pray with, be joyful always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. He's like, hey, listen, when you, when you get in that passenger seat, when you get in that passenger seat, you're like, please, Lord, please, Lord, come on. Are you looking for that break? You're looking for that break, and it ain't there, and you kind of, and you want to grab the wheel, and they're over there, and they're just white knuckling. Like I'm talking about white, and you're like, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. Car, car. Listen, right here. Listen, right here. This is Psalm 56.3. I absolutely believe God had this in mind, but he had driving in mind. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He's like, he's like there's, there's going to be a parent sitting there with a 15-year-old, and it's going to be, Listen, this concept of control is, is, is false. Here, let me just make this super practical for you. Some of you are drivers. Some of you are great drivers. I, I've been driving for 40 years. I, 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 even, even as a great driver, even as an established driver, I'm talking about having fun with my kids and teaching. You have to think about all things at all times. The simple truth is, uh, when you were on the way to church today, you, you were living on trust and faith that the people that were coming from the other direction were going to stay in the other lane. Like when you pulled up to the stoplight, you were acting upon the assumed, the, the assumed trust, the faith that they're going to stop on the red light so that you can go through green. And, and like we're not in control. And if we can let go of this sense of control and say, God, you are good and you are trustworthy no matter what the situation and the scenario looks like. You guys ever seen one of those stickers that says, God is my co-pilot? God is my co-pilot? I'm like, bro, you might want you might want to rethink that, that org chart right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like one of them is completely capable and equipped to handle whatever the road conditions are. The other one is going to freak out. And the truth is we get into trust issues when we dismiss the one who is able thinking, I've got this element of it, God. I don't even need to invite you into the conversation. And if he knows the desires of your hearts, which he does, and he cares all the way down to the smallest detail, I would, I would encourage us to include him in every single element. Because when we, leave him, uh, when we leave him in the passenger seat, he's over there saying, man, like there's such a better course that we could be taking right now. It sounds absurd when you say it out loud, God, I don't even need you in this situation. He's like, you need me in every situation. Every situation. Listen to this. This is Psalm 910. It says, those who know your name trust, again, that assured reliance, trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. I can't encourage you enough. No matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, I can't encourage you enough to seek him even now, placing your assured reliance in him. Trust issues to let go of. One, the desire for control. The second one is the shame from your past. We're going to look at three of these today. The shame from your past. And I get it. I understand. Some of you guys are sitting there right now. Some of you ladies are sitting there right now. Pastor, if you only knew. If you only knew the things that I've, I've said, the things that I've done, the things that I've, that I've thought. 
And, and some of you I do literally know. Like we've sat at tables and we've, we've cried together and we've prayed together. We've walked through some, some really difficult journeys together. Some of you I literally know. Some of you, you're right, I have no idea what you've thought or what you've done or what you've said. But what I do know to be the, ch- the case is no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter whatever the whatever is, God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient. And we need to let go of the shame from your past. The past is a great place to learn from, but it is a terrible place to live in. Lots of times what we do is we, we replay the failures and the failures and the failures. Let me encourage you this. Let go of the shame from your past, but learn and trust on the reliance of God's faithfulness from the past. Like, we focus on the missed opportunities. Why don't you encourage yourself by focusing on the moments where God was faithful as you're facing a new challenge? I can't encourage you with that enough. Listen to this. This is 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, this, mean, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new, a new person. This is, this, is, this is our action steps verse right here. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Let me just, uh, funny, it's kind of a funny illustration, but it's a true story. We, my family and I were on a family vacation uh, last month. We went up to the mountains of North Carolina, and uh, I, God is everywhere, but God definitely lives in the mountains of North Carolina. It's absolutely incredible. And we told our kids, hey, you can take one day each and kind of program it out, plan it out, which is a great that's a great kind of a, a little uh, ex, uh, opportunity for your kids to take ownership. And, and so my youngest uh, 13-year-old, she, she scheduled us to go zip lining, which is awesome. And I, I'm an old youth pastor, so I've been zip lining and, and whitewater rafting. And her name is Oakley. I said, Oakley, are you going to pay for it? She goes, no, boss. That's you. You got that. And so, so we go zip lining, and I'm talking about learning from the past, like like trusting on the reliance of God. And we're getting we're getting harnessed up, and the the our guide says, "Hey, you've got these two tethered ropes that are gonna, they're going to connect you to this cable. This tether is is rated at five thousand pounds, and this tether is rated at five thousand pounds. So together, there's two of them." You're going to be covered to 10,000 pounds of weight. And she said, there are 10 of you in front of me right now. The entire group doesn't even add up to one-fifth of that number. So you're going to be fine. So it was my family and then a mom and two two, uh, young boys. One of them was Silas, and I'll never forget Silas. Bless Silas. I did not bring Silas into this world, but I was thinking about taking him out because this clown was getting on my nerves. And so we go up the tower. We go up the tower, and Silas is talking junk. And and we go versus zip line up to that corner. I mean, you don't zip line up. If, if, if you don't know that, I can't really help you out from a physics standpoint. But just from a, from a, a proximity standpoint. So we go to the corner, one. We go to the other corner, two. We come back to this first tower, three. So we've made three passes. And then we go up to the top of the tower, 90 feet up. And we're going to go 1,200 feet 1,200 feet, four football fields, and the guide says, we're going to reach speeds of 40 to 45 miles an hour. I look over at Silas, and he's kind of urinating on himself a little bit. Not true, but maybe. I don't know. And Silas is freaking out. He had been in the front of the line, in the front of the line, in the front of the line. Now he's in the back of the line. I looked it up. I was like, wait, Silas, the name Silas. Silas literally means from the trees. I'm like, bro, we're ziplining in the trees. Like like these are your people. (laughs) Now we're going to go all the way down the thing. And he's like, I'm I'm not going to do it, man. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I just, I said, hey, listen. I said, hey, bud, I know you're a little bit intimidated right now, but, man, you got that one. And you got that one, and you got this one. Now, this one looks really intimidating, but 
but everything that worked then is going to work now. And the simple truth is we, we often focus on how, how, like, the severity of the circumstance. When we focus on the severity of the circumstance, it pulls our focus off the, the sovereignty of our Savior. And so I was, I was just like, listen, listen, like, like, like everything that you have learned, and tr- like it's, it's all going to apply. If you, like, like you need to escape from the shame of the past, but you can learn from the goodness and the faithfulness of God in the past. He was there before, and he'll be there again. And then finally, Silas went, and he was screaming the whole way, and it was, it was pretty awesome. Paul's counsel, I want to share with you this, Paul's counsel in Philippians 4, 6 through 9 is, is based on Isaiah 26, 3. What's amazing is the book of Isaiah in the New Testament, the New Testament writers, they quoted the book of Isaiah more than any other Old Testament scripture. And so listen to this. This is, this is from Isaiah 26. This is a springboard. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, how is your peace? What is the condition of your peace, this perfect peace? His perfect peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about, think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you have learned and received from me, everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. The final thing that I want to share with you guys, uh, the, final, the final trust issue that you need to let go of is a fear of the future. And... Again, I just I share with students all the time. I share with young people in the faith all the time. And, and we, had, we had 384 decisions for Christ over the last month. Maybe, maybe you're someone that's just recently stepped into the faith and you're, man, you want to go all in, but you're a little bit intimidated, the fear of the future, and it can be intimidating. But I would just encourage you, don't worry about your, what your five-year plan is. Don't worry about what your five-year plan is. Just wake up today and do what you're supposed to do today. And then wake up tomorrow and be obedient to what you're supposed to do tomorrow. And then wake up on Tuesday and do what you're supposed to do on Tuesday. And in the course of being obedient day after day after day, trusting and pursuing God, you will see that he will craft and, and, and create something that you could have never created on your own. Don't worry about the, the, the fear of the future. There is one who holds the future and just walk with him and pursue him. I want to pray with you guys. And in, and in doing that, I want to share with you I want to share with you a personal story um, to close out. Joshua 1.9, it says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I shared with you a few minutes ago that my father passed away, and I can stand in front of you right now talking about the goodness and the grace of God because these temporary circumstances don't discredit his, his faithfulness and like, like his, his character, like the assured reliance of his character and his strength and his ability. And, and several months ago, back in February, I received a phone call on a, on a Friday night. It was about 8.45 from my aunt, the same aunt in North Carolina. She said, John, your dad was rushed to ICU, and, uh, and the doctor said his passing is imminent. Now, obviously, it ended up being a few more months, but that was a Friday night. On Saturday morning at 6 o'clock, I got on the flight to Raleigh, North Carolina. I went to my dad's bedside in the ICU, and he went in and out of 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 not only uh, not only being conscious, but he went in and out of just really even knowing who I was. And 
which is a unique, uh, a unique context to have a conversation. But when in those moments, in one of those moments where he was fully engaged and aware, I said, Dad, you're soon to, you're soon to meet your maker. Are you prepared for that? And this is what he said. He said, well, son, the way I see it, most people know where they're going to go. And I said, do you believe that Jesus Christ can and will forgive you of your past, your regret, your sin, your shame? And my 80-year-old dad, this, this really strong, somewhat hardened fireman, construction worker, gruff guy, this 80-year-old man, tears just started streaming down his eyes. I said, do you believe that God can and will forgive you right now of your sins? And he said, I do. I said, Dad, do you want that? And he said, I do. So right there in his ICU room with things beeping and chirping and people are walking all around and people are in and out. And I led my father in this uh, prayer of salvation. And I would just ask you, if you've got a fear of the future, it's because you may not know who holds the future. And I can't encourage you enough, as my dad did in that tender moment, to place your faith in Christ even now. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that. Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And I would just ask if there's anybody in the room, we're talking about the assured reliance, the assured reliance uh, uh, in Christ as the sinless Son of God, the finished work on the cross, overcoming death and the grave and, and the reliance of His Word. I would ask if there's anybody in the room that you would say, you know what, Pastor John, I need to, I need to make sure that I've got a relationship with Jesus, number one, or... I've been struggling with trust issues. I've got a relationship with Jesus, but I'm falling off and I need, to, I need to reconnect today. Would you just raise your hand if that's you, everybody in the room that you want to, yes, awesome. Raise your hand if you, yes, if you want to establish that relationship. Yes, awesome, 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 yes, awesome, yes, awesome. Guys and ladies all over the room, right there where you're at, awesome, thank you. I see that smile, thank you. Guys and ladies, right there where you're at, right there in your heart, would you just pray this with me? Right there where you're at, right there in your heart, will you pray this with me? Say, Jesus, I need you. I acknowledge uh, that I'm a sinner and I need your grace in my life. And I acknowledge that you are the sinless son of God. And I invite you, even now, to come in and restore, heal, renew. And God, from this point forward, as best I know how, I want to live seeking and surrendered to you, trusting you, not my own plans. And God, thank you for every home that's represented. Thank you for every family that's represented. Thank you for every marriage that's represented. Thank you for every future that's represented. Thank you for every past that's represented. God, thank you that your grace is sufficient for all of us. Lord, thank you that you are able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, and we lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you, no matter what the temporary circumstance looks like, because your eternal character is perfect. We trust in you. We pray these things in the name of the life changer, Jesus. Amen. 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 Come on, church, let's celebrate those decisions that were made. Awesome. Awesome.